That's Josh. And that's Dan. I'm Danny. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and you're listening to Discography Discussions. Or, I, I pluralized it. Yeah, yes. it's Discography Discussion. There's only you know, one discussion that you live and die by. <laughs> you know what's funny? The older you get, you pluralize everything. Like Walmarts. We're going to go to the Walmarts. Uh, that's Josh. That's Danny. And you're listening to Discography Discussion. What band? Oh are you no, doing? we didn't say. We're yeah, not you're not. Yeah. <laughs> well, who the hell are these guys? They already know Dan's on the show. <laughs> Josh is back. Yeah, Josh is we back. Are, Dan's on we the are show. Terrible at this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll so that's Danny. That's Josh. And we're, we're not, not beneath. beneath. And you're listening to discography discussion. discussion. Nice. That was good. We'll take it. What is up, gentlemen? Hey. Hello. Oh hi. Oh, is this going to happen? Am I going to do this? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Wayne's World. Extreme close-up! Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> nice. What? Oh, man. Glad to know I'm talking to my peers. <laughs> what a day. Your, oh, your no peers. Kidding. It appears. You're talking to a Pierce. 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 Pierce Brosnan? I'm really jealous of that hoodie, by the way. <laughs> if I was a little bit smarter when I was ordering my shirt, I would have got the hoodie instead but yeah yeah exactly but, uh, if this is uh well i mean there's only gonna be audio right so yeah for, yeah yeah for those listening uh, i just i just kind of touched my man nip oh that's cool we'll make sure to include that in the show <laughs> i'll give it a sound effect it'll sound you know kind of flappy i'm gonna tell travis you guys nailed it on the first try okay uh, for sure <laughs> you know i've never heard of manip before it isn't anything like chesticles and if you're ready to learn the definition of manip then you are ready for this episode of discography discussion i am joe that is dan that is jeff that is josh that is danny they are not beneath and we are talking about Meshuga tonight Woohoo! Yes. Oh yeah! And the droning has begun. Oh, I love it! After all of that intro, we're gonna have plenty of outro, if you know what I mean. Absolutely, oh, yeah. my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. We've been talking to these guys for like three hours now, so it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, the night is <laughs> the night is whittled away, my friend, and we're not done with you yet. I took a nap. I woke back <laughs> up. We're still talking. This is great. We can do this all night. So, guys. This is not beneath. They are um, guys and gals. Whoever's listening, it's not. It's not a guy girl thing. But <laughs> that's generic. To our listeners, I saw it on the Olympics yesterday. They're like, hey guys, so what do you think of these figure skaters? And it was like, you know, a woman and a man. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, it's you know, the generic M. There you go. Uh, these guys are not beneath, and they just put out an awesome record called Memento Mori. I'm loving the name. Yeah, it Thank was really you. cool. And the music too. And um, these guys play like really good metalcore, which is like an actual mixture of like death metal and hardcore. So not yeah. like when I say metalcore, I'm not talking about like you know like a kill switch engage. engage is this like last week where you're bringing back the classic title I metallic am. Well, hardcore? We, when we talked to Tetelestai, we nailed down what metalcore actually means. So, okay. in that respect, these guys are the real deal. Um, and if you guys Thank are you. fans of stuff like Meshuga or Cynic or even Death, you're gonna you're gonna really dig these guys. So make sure to check them out. We will uh, we will talk more about their album uh, towards the end of the show. But tonight's topic, my friends, is the Almighty Mashuga. Yes, yes, indeed. Mm. We, we kind of feel like you know we were looking through 
um, the catalog of discography discussion and a little surprised that nobody, you know, nabbed up Mashuga. No, yeah. I, I'm yeah. actually stoked that you guys did this because I'm just the co-host, so my opinion doesn't count as much. Just the co-host. <laughs> I've been wanting. <laughs> That's to, right. I've been wanting to do Mashuga <laughs> for maybe a little while, and I might have been saying something. So you guys got. Uh, to get to the head of the class. Man, so, awesome. So Fantastic. I'm super happy about that. That's going to be Bill? a t-shirt this year. You know that, right? What's that? I'm just the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to have a shirt yeah. that says, I'm with co-host. <laughs> so mine's just going to say Dan. With the arrow pointing <laughs> that way. Yeah, Dan's yes. vote is two and a half votes. <laughs> My vote is one vote. Joe's vote is one vote. So essentially, whatever Dan votes for is what goes. And I'm the editor, so I get to make the final <laughs> decision. Right. Yeah. He, he can hold a show for ransom if he wants to. Yes, yeah, so just, I'm just along for the ride. So what is your guys' uh, history with Mashuga? Like, what, what, what is it about Mashuga that would make you want them to be the topic of your episode of discography discussion? You want to go first? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that... I think that music is this really powerful uh, medium, um, and there are definitely moments in someone's musical life is what I'm going to refer to it as. Uh, there are moments in someone's musical life where you can put your finger on it and say, this is where things changed because uh, I learned something about music that I had never thought about before, um, and so I think that there's a lot of a lot of artists out there, especially in metal, you know, uh, that have really pushed that envelope and pushed me personally in directions that I had never gone before, uh, musically, mentally, you know. Uh, so, Mashuga is definitely one of those bands, you know. Uh, another one for me is the band Cynic. You know, I, I thought like the first time I heard Cynic, I realized that it can be metal can be anything you want it to be. You know, so I I think that it just Meshuga opened opened musical doors that not a lot of other bands have. Yeah, I mean, uh, just an overall revolutionary band. I mean, I it's I think. Um, that i mean they're definitely one of the most important metal bands of all time it's i mean so important that they kind of um i guess unexpectedly started a genre or unintendedly i mean you know everybody trying to copy mashuga turned into gent right you know you beat me to the punch uh so (laughs) and and you know kind of when i think about it mashuga is really not too very genty to me i don't know if like um it it, like it's it's almost like people pin the whole um like rap metal or rap core thing on the deftones well at least you know as a and i don't hear that and same thing with 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 mashuga like i hear maybe one genty song and that was on rare tracks it was the um the remix of concatenation like that's um that might be the only one i can really think of but yeah, I mean, a band that really revolutionized how so many bands do metal. So many bands are influenced by Mashuga. Even like Bill Burr just did a, a podcast now, and he was like, like you when you see them live, you realize that you're really seeing something, something special. He was like, when the drummers that you idolize um, 
I'm paraphrasing. Uh, when the drummers you idolize are like looking at Mashuga and being wow, then you know you're 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 in for it. So yeah, I think I think his quote was more like when the drummers you're totally blown away by yeah. are totally blown away by this guy, you know that you're like witnessing something. So it was, yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean. Like for us, or at least for me, Jeff. Jeff's like a hundred years old, so he's going to be able to go way back with all this <laughs> stuff. But uh, for me, the first time I heard Mishuga was uh, probably like post two thousand. I uh, the first album I heard by them was Catch Thirty Three, and I didn't like it because I wasn't into really heavy stuff. Maybe I was. No, I, I don't know. I feel like I was. I don't know. But I had only listened to predominantly Christian music up to that point. So, like, when I listened to Meshuga and I read the lyrics, like, I just, I didn't get it, you know? And so uh, I, I heard, like, the first four songs on that record and thought, like, well, this all sounds the same, you know? And then, uh, but right. it was, like, intentionally so. So it wasn't until I got a hold of Chaos Sphere that I realized, like, okay, okay. They, so they were just doing a thing on Catch 33. It wasn't, like, necessarily, like, their sound, you know? Like they yeah, were just yeah. they were just taking what they had established on previous albums and doing something a little different with it. Whereas Chaos Sphere was kind of a mesh of their new direction and their older direction. I found them at about the same time. It was an article in Guitar One talking about their eight string guitars and how that was their signature thing, even though they were playing prototypes that yeah, the did not stay in guitars. Tune. Yep. Yeah. And talking about how they were able to write music together even though they were countries apart just by sending stuff back and forth in the early days of the digital age of making music in pieces and the first couple songs I heard I didn't get it because they seemed very repetitive to me and it wasn't until later where I got to go back and find Chaos Fear specifically and I heard okay I got it they're doing something that's not normal and then they're also playing in non-common time signatures. In 2018 it's annoying to talk about a band like Meshuggah who would play a song in 7 or play a song in 9 and that was kind of the gimmick but it was different enough for the new guitar player who was idolizing James Hetfield and focusing on every single ounce of his technique to know that there was something else which would go on to influence other genres or actually like you right. said create a genre right and not every bit of that genre do i like but <laughs> i like the mashuga that i like i don't even like all of mashuga uh sometimes it drones on for me but it's like listening to Candiria do something that everybody else has done since they did it 10 years ago. Right. This yeah, was just yeah. the first guy. So yeah, I appreciate it for that. I remember seeing Candiria uh, on their 300% burnt. Uh, is that right? 300% burnt? Uh, I don't remember. Or am, I, <laughs> am I mixing up track names with uh, Dillinger 43% burnt? 43% burnt. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that was Dillinger, yeah. I don't know, man. It's 300% something. But we played with them at Furnace Fest down in Alabama. And man, it was just so wild because it's like you're just seeing you're seeing these new ideas 
and you're you have no idea how they've put them together you know because it just the two parts don't equal the sum in your mind but somehow in their minds it equaled that sum and they're just putting it out and it's like this is fantastic yeah and i can't believe that i'm seeing it with my eyes right now my first introduction was actually uh, uh, with Chaos Sphere. Uh, I was actually running a podunk of uh, music and bookstore out in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, while I was in college. Yeah, so yeah, I was when you were in, you were in middle school in what was you said ninety four. I was still, I was driving girls to the prom, so <laughs> I'm an old All fart. Right. Uh, but yeah, so that was my first introduction, and then. I was like, yeah, this is this is intense, uh, and I was a, I was a big death fan. Uh, so and, and then when I actually went back and I and I found uh, destroy race improve, and I'm like, okay, yeah, th- this is a seminal moment. This is, I mean, in my in my in my mind, uh, that record still holds up today. And what that came out in '95, I think it was '95, '95, yeah. '95. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's unbelievable. I don't it, the the fact that. Uh, modern bands still try to sound like them obviously with the there's the whole sound you know the whole they were everybody's going for the gent sound but just how technical and progressive they were with their music and how they were all over the freaking place i love that that it's that's a little chaotic but it's beautiful at the same time it's they're they're absolutely amazing they're they're one of the most important metal bands in the history of metal in my opinion oh yeah no doubt i think that's one of the i think the beautiful things about genres like metal i'm gonna throw jazz in there too and classical because pop music is is something that is all that always needs to be changing it's but metal can stay fairly consistent and still remain new over i mean years and same thing with jazz i mean jazz and classical can be new all the time but um like for me yeah so um yeah, I was saying like 94, I was in middle school. I was in eighth grade then. Uh, the first time I heard Meshuggah was in um, 96. It was in uh, early 96. And um, the first time I heard them, yeah, I mean, kind of the same thing. It's kind of funny that like I didn't really get it at first. It really didn't appeal to me. The first time I heard them, I was at my buddy's house, Chris, that I was in a band with for a while. Um he was the drummer for a band I played with called, uh, well, first Gadfly and then North Meadow Park. But he used to send away for, um, like, Relapse had a, had a catalog. And we used to, well, more he used to uh, order uh, tapes just based on their description. So you look at this Relapse, this paper catalog, and it would say, like, Amorphous essential like that was the only thing the only description <laughs> sounds like somebody and, else i know that's accurate though i mean and i was like oh like he'd be like oh my gosh like that's essential like i gotta get that because it was so funny <laughs> some of them some of them would be like um oh gosh i can't remember i'm just gonna make something up but they would be out- outrageous <laughs> um like like grindcore like oh, i'll try to remember the exit 13 one but like it'd be like grindcore from pennsylvania that talks about like killing hunters, you know. <laughs> Vegan grindcore. Like, wow, what a description! <laughs> so we like he would just buy records off of off of a description. So he got a uh, a VHF a VHS tape called "Death Is Just the Beginning." Oh, that's and it had, awesome! It had uh, the transfiction video on there, and and I heard it, and I was just like, oh, like I don't know if I really dig it. Like I, you know, I like Amorphous more. Wasn't Transfiction on uh, Contradictions Collapse? No, Transfiction was um, Destroy Race Approved. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so 
What track is Transfiction? Uh, four. What? Yeah, track four. He's correct. Uh, or five. Yeah. It's four. It's four. So I didn't really de- get it, but then I remember I, I, I still bought the disc. I don't know. This is weird how this works. And I remember I was l- listening to it at my mom's house, and... I listened to uh, Future Breed Machine and the Ooh. breakdown happened. Yeah. And I'd heard this record a few times and I just like it didn't resonate. But I heard it that one time and I just got it. I was like, oh my, I, I get the entire record now. And it's kind of funny how a band or something that really kind of doesn't appeal to you, you just hear one little thing and it wins you over tenfold. Um, so, yeah, that, that changed, it changed my life. It uh, it's it's kind of weird to say that. Um, I I don't think it's weird at all. But like to have, like that's something can have such a profound impact. I I was sorry to take it here and, and to like like and maybe talk too much. But dude, we're all music no, nerds. Go for it. Go lead, ahead. lead the way. So I, so I work for Audio Technica, and six years ago I went to Nam. Uh, I go to Nam almost every year. Um, that's Which a is... large trade show. Uh, it's a large music trade show in Anaheim. Not Vietnam. Also, not Vietnam. Not yeah. Vietnam. <laughs> no, not not Vietnam. The N A M M. Wow, the plug North name. American the, Music. The yeah, like North American or Nath- National Association of Music Merchants. It's something, something like that. So not. <laughs> definitely not that thank okay. god <laughs> woo okay so i like i'll talk to we, people <laughs> we we were topical and then we took a left turn into questionable there have you met jeff oh, oh, sorry that's, that's, that's my hello. jeff ladies and gentlemen <laughs> so it's kind of weird who you get starstruck by like like tito from the jackson four Came into <laughs> how many is it now? <laughs> wow, <laughs> I know. Well, Tito came into our booth and I was just like, "Hey, Tito, what's up?" Like it just didn't do anything for me. But I saw Jens Kidman and I saw Dick Lovegren go into the Sure booth right next to us, Ooh. and I nearly had a panic attack. And they were doing a meet and greet, and uh, like the the next day, so I like kind of rubbed elbows with with their manager, and I was like, "Hey, I'd really like to be able to take you guys to dinner." I was trying to use my corporate pool, and. I, like they called me the last day of the show, 30 minutes before I was supposed to go out to eat with the rest of the Audio Technica crew, and they said, uh, "Hey, would you like to go meet us at the Cheesecake Factory?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, yes, I'm going. I don't care." <laughs> right. So I went and I got to like meet and I got to eat dinner with all the guys in Meshuga, and I'm trying so hard not to be a fanboy and tell them too late like, y- in, in a pleasant are. way. Hey, you guys changed <laughs> my life. Like I was. 16 15 16 years old and i heard destroy race improve in it like it, it changed my world so yeah so are you saying that you have eaten cheesecake with meshuggah with sugar yeah i had cheesecake that's, I had cheesecake dude that's like i mean why isn't that on the front of your guys's cd <laughs> i think that's gonna <laughs> be the opening of the show including <laughs> in, including people that have eaten cheesecake with meshuggah i would That'll buy the cd on that alone yeah Called reality. Reality. There you go. <laughs> we'll call it reality, and then I ate cheesecake with Meshuggah. That's going to be. That's going to be the title track. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Looking forward to that. Sounds like the opening of a Psycho Stick record. Right. right. <laughs> um, I ate cheesecake with Meshuggah. It was delicious. Yeah, <laughs> Sick of paying everything real hard. And... <laughs> <sighs> what was interesting about Meshuggah for me was that, like, they went. Like like going going back to the first record, 
All right, before we get to Meshuggah with Not Beneath, I'm going to take some time to say thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, so if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. And we have continued to get ratings. We love ratings. Um, anything that you feel that you need to share with anybody, everybody else about the podcast, you can do so on any of our platforms. You can leave us five-star reviews, including Facebook. Uh, and on Apple Podcasts. So uh, whatever you got, send it to us, and uh, we'll read it on the show. And now Jeff is going to tell us all about our guest, Not Beneath. Oh, I think you're going to have to stay tuned for that one. Like, that record is so different than how uh, Meshuga would end up sounding later on. But it's not that. Like, you can still tell you're listening to Meshuga. It still sounds like music that's... Play, being played by robots, like if that's if that can be spun as a positive thing, because um, you know the, whenever people would talk about Mashuga with me, they would say it sounds like it sounds like metal from the future. And now in 2018, <laughs> it's like dead accurate, you know. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it's and it's like you know you had a little bit more melody though in the beginning. You mm-hmm. had a little bit more yeah. like. Like almost like passionate, like like real people playing music, um, and back then it would almost had more to do with like almost like thrash metal than death. Yeah, it was definitely and, more thrash. And um, we're talking about contradiction collapse, right? Yeah, yes. sorry, yes. did I not say yes. the name yes. of the record? Sorry, I do that. Uh, nope. Yeah, contradictions collapse. Yeah. Contradictions collapse. Yeah. So, and that record like is actually one of my favorites. I mean, it's not it's nothing compared to Chaos Fear, but I I really like that record because it's like it's kind of like the primordial Meshuga. like they weren't really sure where they were going to go yet it's like self-titled so, living sacrifice so the re- where it's basically a slayer record in <laughs> no, disguise no it's not right. like that because <laughs> self-titled living sacrifice as great as it is sounds identical from the beginning to end whereas uh with uh contradictions collapse it's like it's primordial Meshuga. And because of that, because they're going in so many different directions, the side result is that you get a lot more variety on this record than you get on a lot of other Meshuga records. This is also mm. the answer to my question. Would Meshuga sound like a standard metal thrash band, very syncopated if they weren't playing in such low tunings? And the answer is, well, kind of. But I don't... I yeah. Don't, I don't know. I mean, they didn't get into really low tunings until uh, after. I think. I think uh, it was um, no. It was Destroy, Erase, Improve. Yeah, well, yeah. they were playing seven strings on Destroy, Erase, Improve. They were that. Well, that's like their lower tune. Like they're they were they were in D or E for like up through none. Right. And then when they got the, I'm like, gosh, man, I feel like I'm a sugar historian. When they when they went over to um, Ibanez Universe Seven Strings, right? That's when they started playing uh, in well in B, and right. that continued up until um, 
uh, up until uh, Nothing. Which is when they Which is their them. album, Nothing. Right. right. No, Actually, I, that's their... <laughs> isn't Nothing's their uh, best-selling album, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if I had to... I would say I'd be surprised about that. Most. Yeah, I think it's because... I thought it was because Chaos Sphere was such a... And uh, Destroy Race Improved got them such notoriety that everybody bought that on, you know, I guess street cred, so to speak. Right, right. I'll have to which look makes it up. sense. Well, one of, I can't remember exactly which one. I'd have to cheat and look it up, and I guess I could. I got the phone It's with heavy me. as piss, man. Yeah, it's like really. They actually, one of their albums, they sold over uh, 100,000 copies of, of one of them, which was just, for the type of music that they are, is just mind-boggling. I mean, I just, that's, that's insane. Well, that's right. what happens when you're that seminal band that yeah, everybody I mean, really leeches off of as far as influence. Right. Goes. Honestly, not really. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that, Joe. All right. I feel like bands that are innovative never get the credibility get the credit that they deserve. I think I think a lot of the time, even if you hear a band that you think is seminal, it is entirely possible that they are literally just aping a band you've never heard of. Okay. I'm not saying that's the case with Meshuga. Example. But I am saying in general. Black Sabbath. Who were they aping? Okay, sure. Let's go back to the beginnings of metal, Joe. But no, what I'm <laughs> saying is like, no, no. But, but what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that a lot of the times the bands that get bigger are influenced by what's going on in their local. Very true. In their local scene. Um, are you saying in underground metal that's the case? In underground metal that's the case. Okay. That's what I'm trying to I say. I like it. I agree. All right, and nothing. Josh, Josh wants to say something. I, I can. Use oh, just, I was just thinking if you're mm. if you're looking at what was going on in like Europe at the at the time, in like especially around the time of Destroy Race Improve, it was all like that Gothenburg mellow death sound, and you had sure. you know In Flames and Dark Tranquility and At the Gates, and then you've got Winded Winded Carcass's Heartwork come out ninety four. 93. 93. So, which yeah, is 93. <laughs> yeah, we know. Car- we love Carcass. We, we yeah. just did the Carcass episode a few weeks ago. Scott I should, I should know yeah, this. Yeah. Scott. Yeah. Sure. Good old Scott. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you look around, I, I I highly doubt that they were very influenced by any of that, you know, or else we would have seen, you know, there's, there's no mellow death, you know, like melodic death metal traits to destroy, erase, improve. No, I agree, and you I'm know? not making that argument. And, and I think that they pushed, I think they just pushed their own envelope and just, but I, I think that I agree in that all these seminal bands um, are, you can watch their own evolution, you know, let's, like death. Death, you can watch the evolution of that band, and you can watch the basically it's the evolution of Chuck Schuldner. You know, that evolution takes place over you know a, a decade. Went or did Scream Bloody Gore came out in 87? 86, I think. 86. Well, no, man, no, wait. God, I should know this too. We well, we didn't just do the death episode, but we know yeah. you don't do dates well, Dan. It's okay. <sighs> it was yeah. the 80s after I was born. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I want to say it was like 86, 87. It, it was 86, 87. Because I feel and, like Leprosy and, was like still 80s. So yeah, it couldn't have been Leprosy that Leprosy came late. out in 89. 89. So yeah, it had to have been 87 on, on Scream Bloody Gore. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you you watch from like 87 till 98. You know, so over 12 years. And you watch this progression uh, into 
something completely different than where they started when they when they started out. So, well, yeah, I guess it's kind of the same I, with. Meshuggah I think it's too. the same thing with Mashuga. You yeah. see contradictions collapse, and b- even by even from Scream Bloody Gore to you know by the time they got death got to human, or <clears throat> for Mashuga, it's from contradictions collapse till they like that whole destroy race improve chaos sphere i kind of feel like that's the same time i don't really feel that there was a lot of different differentiation between those two records other than chaos sphere has got some of the worst production it sounds pretty bad but ever. yeah i think it's the mastering job I really do think that the mastering is not really good on that album, and I hate saying that because my one of my favorite engineers, Daniel Bergstrom, recorded both Destroy Race Improve and Chaos Fear. But I can like something is really way too sizzly about uh, Chaos Fear to me. Um, like there's just so much top end. Yeah, it's very it's very off putting, um, especially on headphones uh, to yeah. listen to. It's not so bad blaring it in the car like I was on the way down here, but. Um, I think that it was. Uh, I, I think yeah, it, it's it's very top heavy, and there's just some, and it's like that. Knowing Mashuga, it's one of those like it could have been intentional, but I don't feel like it was. In this I, case, I don't either. Like, um, and I kind of feel like if they were to benefit from like a like they remastered, they did the like the um, destroy race improve. Yeah, and that to me that still sounded like okay. You just took something that sounded good, made it sound good in a different way. Right. Uh, but I think Chaos Fear would be the one that would benefit most from a, a remaster. But yeah, hear that, hear that, Mashuga. You know, <laughs> I can always. Uh, well, uh, no, nah, I wouldn't contact them to let them know. But yeah, <laughs> but next, next time we next time we see them, we yeah, should just like hey 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 guys, let me tell you where where you could be better. Yeah. So the next time you're you having guys cheesecake my, with them, you guys changed my life, it. but you know. yeah. <laughs> so cheesecake, I, we're never eating cheesecake with you again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, unless Thomas Hake's Hake, uh, his girlfriend is on uh, that show. Orange is the new black. Okay. Jessica Pimentel. Yeah. And uh, the last time we saw them, she was in their trailer with them. And uh, I felt a little starstruck. Like, yeah, I'm in. I'm yeah. in the trailer with like one of my favorite bands, and I'm like, ah, these are just guys. Like, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Like that. That's great that I'm here, you know. But <clears throat> I felt really starstruck that you know this this actress is yeah. also there. That was the, one of the weirdest things. Like, you know, you meet your favorite bands, you think you're going to be starstruck, and you're not. You're starstruck by their their uh, TV star girlfriend. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, like, uh, hey, Tito. Hey, how you doing? I, you know, like, oh, my God. That's a really <laughs> yeah. bad. That's a really horrible uh, thing that I'm always afraid of with what we do is that one of these days we're going to get somebody on the show and I'm just going to be all like, oh, my God. You know, like, can you? Can't uh, yeah. Do you guys remember when you guys did this? It was so awesome. You so know, you remember like, the Scott Millinger episode? Yeah, I was a little <laughs> bit like that. Zayo. Well, I mean, Zayo is is by far like my go to band. I mean, they're like just everything they do. I, I love and I'll always be that way, even if yeah. even if they put something out and it sucks balls. Like, I'll still be like, it's actually really good, guys. You know, Um <laughs> luckily their last two releases have been fantastic been oh, yeah. amazing they, they, yeah oh yeah yeah they've killed it um it's like they're on the upswing again i, I got um 
I, I don't want to say that Zayo was really ever on a downswing, but there was a couple to- like a couple albums where it didn't feel it didn't feel right. Like uh, when they they uh, recorded with uh, Steve Albini, yeah, and it just didn't feel right. But these last two, like Peric Victory, it's like whoa, like things are like yeah, things killer, man. Yeah, totally. Yeah, good dudes, man. They're all they're all really good dudes. I know we're talking about Mashuga, but Zayo is uh, just a. I mean, they're all class acts. Absolutely. We've known them for a long time. Both both iterations of Zayo, yeah, both both know. iterations. Yeah, no no doubt. Yeah, and that's that's one of our favorite. Like Scott's one of our favorite people to have on the show because, again, it's like there's the whole starstruck stuff. Like because the first time we had him on the show, I was very much like trying not to be like, you know. I don't, don't ask him about Dale, you know, or don't ask him about, yeah, because we were supposed to be talking about Neurosis. That was the band. Right. That we, I would just so. want to talk to him the whole time about creation is crucifixion. Yeah, right, totally. Right. Well, it hey, was like, hey, Scott, remember Bottom Feeder? That's my favorite song from creation. Yeah. I love it. Dude, oh, you know, yeah. and I thought about that too, like whenever we introduced him on the show, like, all right, guys, and Scott Mellinger, you may know him from creation is crucifixion. You know, like, the, yeah. we brought up Jade Meridian we on the show. We brought up Jade Meridian, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Yeah. So the fact that he ever wanted to talk to us again after that was awesome um hey it's not my fault he did a hard rock band with steve peck that i don't get to see anymore all right yeah i don't remember any of that episode yeah jeff was uh jeff was pretty toasty on that one so uh, anyway but yeah i don't like did he talk about like well have you ever like you know about seasons in the field or sower i actually have seasons in the fields demo it was a split that they did with pensive with pensive now oh, don't get me wrong i don't have an actual copy of it but i have oh, i love it digital but before seasons in the field they were sower okay and the first time we saw at least the first time i saw sower all the guys in the band were wearing t- black turtlenecks nice and when we saw them like it was uh, the 90s. Um, my old band that i was talking about like gadfly it, we did a show in Cleveland in 97 where it was Seasons in the Field, Strong Arm, and well, not in the Gadfly opened up, then it was Seasons in the Field, and then it was Zayo and Strong Arm. Wow. It was a killer show. Uh, oh man, it was, it was so good. But we were talking about like going to see them and wearing black turtlenecks saying i love sower on it (laughs) we used to we used to show up to zayo shows after after dan joined the band we would show up to zayo shows with these t-shirts that we would make that said i love sower yes and just he would get so mad at us Oh, like, uh, all I see in my yeah. head when you bring up the black turtlenecks is sprockets from SNL. Oh, now yeah. is the time on Sower when we sing. Would you so, like to touch my monkey? So if we <laughs> ask <laughs> if we ask Dan to be on the show, so I should bring up Sower immediately as soon as he comes on. Like, if, yeah, Dan, <laughs> like Scott. I don't know if Scott would really know anything about. Yeah, him. but Russ, definitely Russ and Dan. <laughs> okay, and maybe even Marty. I'll keep that Marty in mind. I'll keep that in yeah, mind. Marty I can have some fun with him. Right? Because Marty was in Pensive, yeah. Yeah, he would have he would have been around that like Greensburg PA scene. We'll, yeah. We'll have some fun with that. I uh, feel like the they're comes. being called out by not beneath on this one. I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, so. we're old farts, man. I like I guess it, well, at least the three of us are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you gotta throw Jeff in there. Uh, yeah, um yeah, see, okay, that's back, why I like going to, that's why I like talking with Travis, because Travis is actually older than I am by a couple of years. Yeah. He's got a couple um, on me. Knowledge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, hey, yeah, Meshuggah. Not, not, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's a band. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, it was nothing that had uh, it was 110,000 copies sold. Yeah, wow. 
And awesome. That, I don't necessarily think it's the strongest release, but yet it's a hundred and ten thousand. I don't know. You definitely have a jaded opinion on the strongest release. It's Jeff. pretty strong, though. I mean, I, well, like I might slack some people on what my uh, well, maybe I won't. I think I have a I have a two way tie for first place. I think it's pretty okay. obvious. Destroy, race, improve is yeah is in one A. One B for me is Obzen. I love that album. Okay, my man. You and me, <laughs> right here. Oh yeah. We just had yeah. a moment. Did you guys see that moment just just happen? Yeah. Hey, I, do I, I need to play I, some shiny music while well, that's yeah, going it's, on? Yeah. It's great. The, it, it's we're me. We're the same. We're the same. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yes. And you know, here's the be- here's the good thing is is that my my last exposure to a Josh ended up with me in a car trunk. So this is a much better experience. <laughs> Our old story. co-host has been known to return to the show, <laughs> kidnap Jeff, and try to take his place again. So uh, <laughs> That's normally our excuse whenever I can't uh, make a show. Yeah, we'll call our old host up and be like, hey, man, you want to come on and do one? And he's like, yeah, guys. And then we're like, okay, cool. And then we don't hear from Jeff for like two weeks. <laughs> it's an ongoing joke. Yeah, that's but what happens when you work a nine to five. You, you know the joke's not funny when you explain it. <laughs> so... <laughs> I never claimed to be a funny guy. So the uh well yeah, I know like I'm I'm with you on 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 that for the most part, Jeff. I destroy erase improve is really great, but I just love Chaosphere so much even though it doesn't sound that great. But like dude, I you know, I listen to like really like dude, I spend most of my day listening to like 90s Christian hardcore bands that nobody's ever heard of. So like if you can think of like the sound quality of all of that stuff, Chaos Sphere sounds pretty damn good in comparison. So it's one of those things where uh, the production quality on it doesn't bother me as much because I'm just so enraptured by the insanity of it all. Yeah, um, to me, it's definitely Destroy, Race, Improve. To me, that's the clear-cut frontrunner. Which one is is ultimately the best is is going to be, you know, subjective. But extremely subjective. Yeah. Um, Hold on. Yeah. Babe, did you just call me? Oh, good night. I love you. My little boy's going to bed. Hashtag dad life. Thank yeah. you for yeah. all oh, your man, sound I love lights. It. It's the best. Album number two, I'm going to have to go with with Chaosphere. Yeah. It's, Chaos, it's Chaosphere really is my number three. Well, yeah. do, do we, do we throw EPs? EPs. If you want, you want yeah, go ahead. Is he going to say none? None. None, yeah. None. That's a good okay. one, yeah. Yeah, none is uh, well. Kind of a funny story about that too is song three that I can't remember. Let me let me look it up. Ritual, right? They so I remember talking to them about that. I saw I got to, I'm, I'm one of the lucky few that got to see Meshuggah's first North American performance in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 1998, the Metal Fest, Milwaukee Metal Fest. Street nice. And I <laughs> this is so silly, but I talked to them about you know that album and they told me that they didn't like the song ritual and they kind of i want to say i remember i want to say that like thomas said that it was like their attempt at doing something like foo fighters and they just didn't like it at all <laughs> what <laughs> yeah i don't I, like, hear I that wanna say, yeah i, I want to say that that's that's the case i'm almost positive the only thing i can really truly remember about well, aside from the performance about talking to them, was that I bought, I bought them their first AC records. 
they never heard of AC and they were selling seven inches everywhere because it was a metal show and it was, you know, 1998. And there was 40 more reasons to hate us. And I like it when you die. And I bought both of them for 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 Frederick Thornton Dahl and uh, Thomas Aki. Wow, you really do have an, an intimate relationship with them. That's 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 actually I think that's pretty Kinda. freaking cool that you, you you get to come on it and and uh, spread the knowledge. Hey guys, we, I bought lo- this for you. Oh, I love man. you. I got stories. They're crazy. That's how I became friends with Jeff. I bought him a video game. Yeah, he did. Seriously, yeah. that's <laughs> nice. Yeah, he bought me Cabal on the NES and. Uh, Whoa. We've been besties ever since. And then Absolutely. you were creeping on him on the phone at work. <laughs> That's yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah I, I used to run a video game store, and, and he used to come in and, and blow his money. He should have been spending on his wife uh, on video <laughs> games. And I was fine with it because that meant I was getting a paycheck, so I, I, I'm right. cool with it. Right. And then yeah. he's like, and we were started talking about video games, and somehow Cabal came up in conversation. I was like, oh, man, I wish we had that game here. I love that game. He comes back like three hours later. He's like, oh, yeah, look what I got. I got Cabal for you. Merry Christmas. And I'm like, that's, you're my kind of guy. That's nice. Yeah, Dan's nice. So I I gave him an Evil Dead 2 theatrical release poster. Yes. 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 That's still that's haven't found favorite. a frame that, for it. Yeah, yeah, he, my yeah, movie yeah. He was ever. talking about like like taping up on the wall, and I was like, oh my god, I will buy you a frame. <laughs> Bruce Bruce is around the corner. Fits you? Yeah, we have. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Campbell. Nice. I, Bruce fits you. Man, I got story. I got a story about that guy too. Maybe, maybe we'll circle back to that All later. Right. Yeah. But a, a <laughs> hey, pretty once funny we get one, through this Mishuga discussion, we can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> I know, so, um, yeah, I've I've met Mishuga a few a few times, three, four, no more than that. Five times I got to hang out with him fi- about that. Admit it, you guys were just hanging out before you came on. <laughs> uh, maybe it's yeah. possible. No, yeah. no. The, the, um, here's the big question: is is do they recognize you? They're like, is that yeah. that guy? Yeah, that's that. Um, you yeah, made it's, it. It's you kind of cool. It. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jens came up to me during the last show, and like, because they were kind of busy, and and I didn't want to really bug them because I'm I'm friends with their manager now, and um, you know, it's, it was a really their entire their yeah. entire crew you know like it's what you would expect they're all awesome yeah. they're all like masters at what they do yeah and ronnie is no exception the dude is a master manager um so i'm talking to them and yen's like hits my chest and he was like hey man and i'm like oh, you recognize me <laughs> oh my god 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 um i was like yeah hey man how's, how's it going and i just kind of don't want to bug him because they're all they're all busy and you know that's that's the that's the rock and roll life i guess you know they're we're in a pretty small trailer um jessica pimentel was there and i'm like you know i'm just gonna i want to hang out with the roadies because you know they're they're the guys making everything happen behind the scenes and yeah i kind of like the band where they're at yeah for sure (laughs) i will say this just real quickly uh about that show is the fact that we we saw them at it's an outdoor it's an outdoor venue. Yeah. It's a large like pavilion. So you lose a lot of sound. They're opening for Megadeth and like you just recognize how good a crew they have with them simply for the fact that Megadeth sounded like garbage <laughs> and Megadeth er, yeah. you know and Mashuga sounded like Mashuga. Yeah. You know? nice. So like that's a that's a testament to the 
how how well refined all these guys yeah, are in it. their craft. You know, um, it's very so, cool. Yeah, man. I love yeah, the yeah, fact no. that you're saying yens instead of gens. We had a discussion uh, about that uh, on the In Flames episode because I kept on calling him yeah, Jesper instead of Jesper. <laughs> and they kept, I kept on getting grief for it. And I'm yeah, like, okay. Jesper's, is it Jesper's Stromblad? Yes. Yeah, okay. okay. Hey, it's a cheat. It's Stromblad. <laughs> oh. oh, man. If I ever meet him, he's going to kill me. Oh. Probably. Yeah. I get that vibe from him. No, <laughs> I just remember being really angry on that episode. Oh man, that's all I remember. We got uh, Dan and I both. We just like went on a straight up diatribe because we like <laughs> About we, in flames. Yeah, because yeah. we worship. Oh, yeah. We worshipped in flames for years. I mean, both of us loved loved in flames, and now it's yeah. Just, yeah. You don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. I, right. I don't. I don't. Because I still love them. I still get to go back and listen to that back catalog anytime I want. But what they put out now, just not my thing. Everything up through Clayman. Yeah. I mean everything. Like I loved like Subterranean. Like all that stuff. Yeah. Was Lunar phenomenal. Strain. Yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, man, Horacle. 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 Oh, where yeah. it was at. The Hive, man. Oh. Yeah. Love that song. Uh, but everything up through Clayman was like, I love this band. And, you know, I loved all that, all the me- mellow death coming out of Gothenburg. That It was all great. Yeah. But we, so I was in Narcissus. We were signed to a, a sub label of Century Media. Uh, and so Century Media is kind of like, at the time, was kind of like married to Nuclear Blast. So all of those releases were just kind of getting distroed through Century Media here in the States a lot. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case anymore or what, but so we're at our label out in LA. We get to ransack the warehouse. I'm like, I just want in flames t-shirts and they're our A&R guys. Like I've got their new record. Do you want to hear it? And it was like, like, uh, hell yeah. oh, oh no, one with cloud connected on it. The what? Yeah, whatever oh, no. that cl- the cloud connected Re-root record to remain. Yeah, reroute yeah. to remain. Worst, worst ba- like album title ever. Uh, but yeah, I was just so let down by it. I don't know. I it was the descent. It that was the beginning of the end. I you know it's funny because I like that song, but then that was it. No. And I was like, oh, okay, like, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, okay, I can kind of dig it. And then, like, the rest of it was so unmemorable. I was like, I, that's kind of mean to say, but uh, it, for me, it just it didn't resonate. That record did not, it did not resonate with me at all. Sorry, I'll say that. Sorry, sorry, yeah, Ant- yeah. no, it's fine. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna say, if you're uh, if you decide to pull that episode up, don't do it with your kids around. <laughs> I know I, I seem I, I know I seem like I a nice to, guy, but uh, that I listen that, to podcasts yeah. at work, like in my headphones, all day long. Nice. So yeah, yeah. Um, so Meshuga. <laughs> if you were gonna so, se- okay, if you were gonna sell a Meshuga record to somebody who had yeah. never heard the band, right. what record would you sell them? Destroy, race, improve. Destroy, race, improve. But why? Like, sell it to us. I would say because I don't need to say anything about it. It'll speak for itself. Exactly. It really? What? I, no. I mean, I know that that's kind of like me- a cop out me- answer. Metal musical genius. 
I would probably start off by saying it's just like like whenever I had to describe Meshuggah to a few coworkers, and I said it's 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 very like mathy music. It's very mathy metal. There's a lot of what's called syncopation, which is you know doing, um, which is a jazz term like doing kind of unexpected. Uh, doing the unexpected in music, so to speak, where you think they're going to go one way, you think they're going to hit one note or do one rhythm, and they don't do it. They do. They add another, you know, eighth note, or they add a little something at the end to kind of throw everything off. But they do it very tactfully. And I'd probably like I would hone in on the part. I would hone in on the breakdown. Like this was the breakdown written in '95 that did it for me. And then say, okay, if that opens you up then the rest of the album might make more sense now. I I had heard or read maybe a uh, an interview with Frederick Thordendahl and maybe Martin uh, Hagstrom. Hagstrom that uh, talked about the, the joy of waiting for the riff to come back around and line back up with the drums uh, and how exciting it was to 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 for them even to like watch these riffs birth out of just like these circular uh circular patterns where they're waiting to see what actually occurs and so i think that that's one of those things that like if you listen to it from that aspect where you're 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 listening and waiting for rhythms to line back up and see where those where those uh, alignments occur and like man that's so cool right there you know um, but yeah everybody everybody knows that that uh, future breed machine you know it's uh, it's seminal good word I jokingly refer to Mashuga as the guide to metalheads for how to count to 11 <laughs> because it really doesn't matter what album you listen to if you're listening to the seminal or even the newer ones that i'm not as big of a fan of a lot of the stereotype mashuga sound is just odd time signature guitars are heavy with some sludge but they're not out of control the out of control guitar sludge that came with Degent and similar styles of metal came from, in my opinion, listening to Mashuga and then playing it very sloppy. Yeah. I get the same Interesting. joy out of listening to Mashuga just for the off time that's going on because to do that well takes practice, takes endurance, takes focus right the only other artist that really comes to mind that did something similar is Frank Zappa and when I listened to Meshuga, I thought this is a metal band with a conductor who's triggering the band to go in a certain direction one at a time I've seen a lot of old Zappa videotapes and DVDs courtesy of my uncle and I've been told stories because my uncle old school music fan he's given me all of my odd records i'm not going right. to bring up captain beefheart even though i just did where you see frank zappa pick a guy in the band and he'd count him off and it'd be a weird time signature and then he'd go to the next guy 
and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to count him off. No, no, he changed the number. Yeah. And Meshuggah yeah. does the same thing. Now, for some people, the, the off-time signature isn't enough. They say, well, all they're doing is playing in an odd-time signature. Yeah, and they're staying together. Well, right. Go listen to odd band that plays with odd time signature and see if they can stay together as cleanly as this band does. Well, I think that's kind of the the whole you can't be that technical of a band and not have to have it together. You know, it's it's like in a way it's like all the different piece, pieces and parts of a car. It's all complicated, but it it all has to fit. It all has to work or else it's just it's just not happening. I mean, like Extol would be like a prime example. It, when they do kind of, you know, similar things where they add a displacement at the end of a part that extends it just like another quarter note if they're playing something in like a 11-8 or 13-8 or 15-8, something like that. It's It has to, it like, the nature of the signature means that you have to be precisioned. Because if not, then it's not that signature. Um, I mean, I guess in the truest sense of it. And that's really what Meshuggah is. They are very, they are very precisioned. There are no mess ups. Everything is in perfect time, every time. It's, it's just to me like they will always be. They they're always going to be my favorite band no matter what they do. Um, it's, yeah. I guess I really that that's all I have to say about like you know, that's all I have to say about that. The only other thing I would add to that is they're also one of the few bands of this style. Talk about, you know, a seminal artist and influence on everybody that followed. They're one of the few bands that play this way that will actually play in an odd time signature and hold it for longer than a measure or two. Right. Yeah, yeah they're going to groove for, sure. for the next yeah. four minutes, but you're listening and waiting for them to mess up. Right. Whereas insert other progressive metal band, we have this little break where we go from seven and then we go to nine and then we have to come back over here to five and then we change to seven and only 20 seconds have gone by. You almost sound like the band is in a hurry to, to stay together. Meshuggah? Nope. We're ever playing in 14 now. We're right, going to be here know, a I while. Think I'm glad that when other bands do that though, because it's kind of like they're not, they're not on it. They're they're not really truly trying to copy Meshuggah. Like I use Intronaut as the example. Like they really they throw that's some, interesting. Like, <laughs> like Intronauts, like they do a lot of off time and like a lot of syncopation, but yeah. they're not trying to sound like Meshuggah. They 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 in a way they're like, okay, well Meshuggah did this. Let's maybe do a nine piece and then a seven piece and then a thirteen piece and then bring it back. But when you have that, it's hard to have a groove where Meshuggah Wright can do that and maintain this, main, somehow maintain this groove. Like, The Violent Sleep of Reason, when you listen to that song at all, I mean, when you listen to that the, to the title track, it's kind of the same thing. It's it's kind of all over the place, but there's still that that groove. There's still that steady quarter, uh, that quarter note that even though Thomas Hackett, like, they're all like syncopating the crap out of it, there's still a groove. And I think that's the that's the other thing about Meshuggah. They're able to establish a groove no matter how crazy they're playing. Yeah, it's funny that you, uh, the reason why we said really whenever you mentioned Intronaut is because uh, we just did an Intronaut episode. Oh, yes. Nice. A couple so, of weeks ago. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Direction of the Last Things. That I love that album. The new one. Newest yeah, one. Yeah. They nailed it. Yeah, that last, the last three songs, I'm like, everybody talks about like the first half of that album. It's, for me, it's the second half. 
But one of my, my one of my favorite songs, Soul Portesio, is on that. Like of all time. I love that song. Yeah. They're they're another one of those bands yeah. though that uh they have this underlying groove always going. Right. Oh yeah, totally. Know? Yeah, totally. It, and it's just like Jens Kidman where you see him uh, on stage where he's just nodding his head and it's <laughs> with the snare drum and like if you see Intronaut live, that bass player, you know, is just nodding his nodding his head the whole I mean the whole time. Yeah. I mean it's just the Constant. whole time. He's nice. holding it down. Fantastic. Yeah. We uh we saw Intronaut when they did uh, their the tour club. with Cloud Kicker uh, and Tesseract. Oh, uh, so they, it was uh, what was it? Intro Kicker or if, Cloud Tronaut or how in, did? <laughs> oh, I, I don't remember what they called it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was that show was insane. Cloud Kicker, Ben Sharp, dude is like he's he might not ever admit it, but the dude is a genius. He's a genius. I, I, I love Ben Sharp. I, I love I love you, Ben Sharp. If you're listening, <laughs> I love you. See, I feel like I missed out on Intronaut. I just found out about this band last year from a listener request. You should listen to this band, and I kicked myself day one. I was in this hole, and I mentioned this on the episode. I thought Between the Buried and Me was the only band that sounded like this that was really good. You should listen to Extol. Have you heard Extol? I've heard Extol. I've never listened okay. to Extol extensively, courtesy of this guy. Dude, are you serious right now? I'm serious. Are you serious? Yeah. I just I just want to be How the guy that like friends? introduces somebody to Extol. Can- Twenty-two <laughs> years and counting. No, dude, come on. We've been friends that long, and I've never made you sit down and listen to all of it. So here's the thing about listening to music with Dan. I mean, all of it, man. Usually, what he does to you Burial, is you're in the passenger seat of the car synergy. and he's driving, uh. changing songs every 20 seconds. So you <laughs> catch on to these little things that you love, and you're like, "Hey, we should listen to that again." No, I'm not listening to that. We're listening to Extol. Uh, well, we should listen to more of that. No, I'm listening to Zayo now. Yeah, sorry yeah, about right. that. <laughs> well, hey, can can um can can we call dibs on Extol too? Maybe in, a, in like a later time. Ooh, please. Has has that ever happened before? Has a guest ever called dibs? Yes. On yes. Um, yeah. okay. Whether you honor that or not is up to you, but we'd really like to be considered for that one too. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're up through nothing. Uh, I think uh, next would be like Catch Thirty Three. I uh, both those records came out within a couple years of each other. Yeah. Yeah, catch catch thirty three and I catch thirty three was two thousand four five no five two thousand five yeah two thousand five right um and Upzen was two like that was like nine it was ten years ago Upzen yeah. was ten bleed bleed is ten years old yeah if that doesn't totally blow your mind as a metal listener. I don't know what will, aside from like listening to Destroy Race and Prove the first time. Uh, Obzen um, was what really brought me back to Meshuggah. I they had just really lost me with I and Catch Thirty Three. Yeah, I, I thought you. that there were some Agreed. really good moments on Catch Thirty Three, but I needed some, like after nothing was kind of like I just kind of felt like I was in this lost kind of wasteland in the middle of their discography. Uh, Obzen yeah. really brought me back. I mean, and you could you could leave you could leave bleed off that record, and it would still be, you know, it'd still be really my good. third favorite Meshuggah record. It was a return to form. Yeah, com- combustion is 
a great tra- one of my favorites too on this lethargica is easily one of my favorite mashuga tracks ever and they did they did a version of it on uh the ophidian track oh yeah that is uh they slowed it down to like i want to say it's like under 100 bpm and i mean when they come when they come back from you know all great mishuga tracks have uh like the little uh what am i trying to say where everything gets real quiet and they're just kind of playing a little yeah a little thing like a little almost like it's like interlude-ish. Yeah, little interlude on the on the guitar. They're like barely playing anything. Then they drop it like it's hot. Yeah, like dubstep. <laughs> it's kind of exactly. like that scene. It's exactly. kind of like that scene in God's Not Dead where Hercules is crossing the street. <laughs> oh god! Yes. Boom! <laughs> sorry, it's just okay, like that. Okay, back to Mashuga quickly, quickly. Yeah, sorry. Um, um, so just like dubstep, except completely not at all like that. <laughs> So you mean good is what you're saying. Perfect. <laughs> okay. To comment too on Catch 33, because I know a couple of you guys said that um, that Catch 33 was the first time you heard it, right? Like definitely right. you, Dan. Yeah, it was but my first was, time. It was Joe or Jeff? Uh, I think it was, it was Joe because for me first it was time. Chaos Fear. Catch 33 is a really tough record for it to be your first Meshuggah record. It really like, was. It's, <laughs> it's a tough one to get through because like at first I kind of like – for a while again like i didn't like it i was like oh man i'm really not feeling this release and then i kind of felt like i got a pulse on it where they wanted to do what their version of a concept album would be where where there like there's no set track so to speak even though like they had a couple i guess you can say in there like shed i like i love the song shed it's my it's definitely my favorite song on the album um, then there, there's the like the duo of in death is is life and in death is death. But yeah, it starts off, and you're kind of just like I don't I don't really know where this is going, and yeah. like I, I kind of was like oh yeah it's just it's still not totally my thing. But then a couple years later, Zen comes out, and I, yeah that was wow. And for me it was Electric Red. Yes, like Electric Red was yeah that was my favorite track on there. Um. Oh man, it's that is really such a good record. Um, yeah, there's nothing I dislike yeah. on there. It was a really killer return. I mean, it's not like they went away, but um, Catch Thirty Three is not something that like even like the is not something the average listener is going to latch on to. It's going to be one of those records where like, of course, the first time I heard it, I told everybody that. Oh, I like it or whatever, because I was being a pretentious, you know, like I wanted to get it. And I felt like I felt like people would think that I was smarter because I liked that record, you know. Um, But yeah, as far as like records that are listenable, (laughs) that one, uh, I mean, dude, that song Minds Mirror, it's like that song freaks me out. Like it's uh, is that the one with the vocoder? Yeah, 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 vocoders. Um, just so you know, and and to throw this in there too, doing a vocoder like Meshuga was not what Not Beneath intended to do at all. But like, we had just always said anything that we want to do, like melody wise with vocals, we just always wanted to do with vocoder. With vocoder, sure. right? Just do it some somehow. We weren't sure what, but yeah, yeah. but like, the- we weren't like. Meshuggah or Cynic or any of those bands that have used vocoder. We're not trying to like. You're trying to be like a Hasbro toy. 
Yes, uh, exactly. More, yeah. I mean, Soundwave was my favorite Transformer, and I figured I wanted it to kind of sound like a Soundwave or in a metal band. So, um, dude, I'm I'm there. I got a ton of Gen One uh, Transformers. Oh so. man, he was the best. And I I talked about this on Trav's uh, podcast uh, about how. Um, Frank Welker was the voice of a lot of Transformers, and he um, he was the voice of Soundwave too. And he used an old um, like Roland VP three thirty is I'm almost still certain what the name was vocoder. This and and it's still like it. I bought a vocoder just to try to do that. I bought I bought a keyboard uh, vocoder, um, and it didn't do it. It didn't have. It didn't have what that old vocoder had, like that warmth in it. But um, I ended up selling it and using a totally different vocoder for the Not Beneath record anyways. But I digress. Hey, Meshuga. No, it's cool. That's related, though. I mean, I yeah, wanted to make sure to, to mention guys. that song just because of, just because I wanted to pull that out. Um, and, yeah, like, I don't think it sounds like it did. It, on, at least on the Not Beneath record, I don't think it sounds like it did on Mind's Mirrors. But, um I do think that that song kind of get back to what I was saying about it originally was that like it is literally one of the most unsettling pieces of music I've heard. Right. Like it's just, and I don't know why. It's not like you know. I mean, obviously we're metalheads, right? We listen to scary music, but like there's just something about like almost like feeling like a spider's crawling up your back while you're listening to it. <laughs> You've been listening to Pig Destroyer again, haven't you? We'll I'll be listening to that all next week. So, yeah. <laughs> God help me. But uh, <gasps> yeah, freak me out. That'd be Ghost Brigade. I love sure. it. They're haunting. They freak me out. So um. If you guys had like a final thought on Meshuga, we'll give our final thoughts as well. We still have two more albums to go. Yeah, we do. Oh wait, duh. Sorry, my bad. Dan, are you losing count? I am. <laughs> I'm such it's been a, a long idiot. week, <laughs> dude. I like no joke. I have been. I'm more scattered this past couple of weeks. Well, than yeah, I have no doubt, ever man. been in my life. I'm like so not on top of it on so many levels. So like it is it's been rough. Thank you man. for that sound bite. <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> but yeah, no, like I mean seriously, I apologize. I No, uh, it's it's all good, man. I mean like I'm just I'm glad that that he's home now with you guys and um yeah, they, you don't like seeing stuff like that at period. Yeah. Like you project, I'm like, God, man, if my kid was in the hospital, like that would just be the worst. I couldn't spend really any time with him, like, because I had two other kids, you know? So, like, I my wife had to stay up there the whole time, and so she was getting irritated and upset, but, like, my wife is, like, literally my, literally Arthur's only food source. Yeah, so yeah. So it's not like we could take turns or trade off or anything. Right. And, uh... Yeah, so like that that whole experience like threw me completely off. And then whenever I came back to work, I came back to work on a Friday, and then I literally worked every single day until yesterday. Yeah. And I was supposed to work yesterday, but I woke up there's a sheet of ice on the ground, and I was like, "Here's a good excuse not to go to work." So I didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So like, it's, it's a long explanation for why I forgot there were two more albums, but. Uh, <laughs> proceed, um, gentlemen. <laughs> the, uh, next was uh, Coloss. Col- uh, Col- We're going to skip over the live record. Uh, any live records? Yeah, yeah we don't. Um, yeah, we don't typically. Yeah, right. Um, Coloss. I am Colossus. And- <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I love this song. Oh my god! This record is killer. It's what, what I would we say. It's their heaviest record. 
I don't know if I would say it. Well, because like they have a lot of hard riffs. A lot of it's hard, and like it's kind of that hard type of heavy. But this is like, this is like slow, like dirgy heavy. This is like doom metal levels of heavy without right. being doom metal. Right. So you remember yeah. what I said earlier about Meshuga influencing all the Degent bands? Yeah. I kind of feel like this was. Guys, you're not doing it right. You do it like this. <laughs> and this is the album right. that we got. This was dad beating you at arm wrestling, is what this was. <laughs> Over yeah, this yeah. is kind of to me like like a like the label told Mashuga, hey, the the hot the hot style right now is is uh stoner is metal. Why don't you guys make a stoner metal album, a uh, doom metal? Okay. You know, like you can, it's almost like Metalocalypse, yeah. and you can see them kind of all hanging. How do we make a stoner metal album? <laughs> and like, okay, let's do Colas. Yeah. <laughs> that almost went to like an Italian accent right there. No, let's right. do a Colas. <laughs> it's a me. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> Mashugo. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, like, and this is like, and we we've been we've been hinting over the last few weeks that I might actually be a meathead and not appreciate anything about music, <laughs> and um, and this record proves it because like I immediately like that I was like triggered. I was, like, this record is so heavy, and I love it just because of that. But I again, I feel like it's wrong for me to say that. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those right. like I like it because it's heavy. Dan needs an outlet is what he's trying but to say. But in this day and age, it's not you're not allowed to say that. You got to find the finesse in everything. Back in the early 2000s, it was okay for me to like stuff just for being heavy, but now now, you know, we have a podcast, so I have to say something intelligent about it. <laughs> well, it's definitely slowed down. It's definitely brutal. I I I think they were trying to make a point on this and it is it's a little more in your face. I, I like yeah, it. I, it's dirgy. It's yeah. to me, it's their dirgiest record. So an, another Transformer record because Dirge that was another Transformer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> we already brought up Jazz earlier too. Oh, we sure did. Yep, Jazz. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you know what this album oh, is. Man, this oh, this oh, album oh. is an onslaught. Settle down, Ironhide. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. We didn't bring up like Wheeljack or anything Makes like me that. Want to listen to Shockwave now. <laughs> oh, Shockwave! Yes, I, man. I've got a ca cassette sitting around someplace. The Quiggle Boys. Yeah, man. I've got the Ultimate Doom on cassette, um, and uh, and CD. I don't think there's a vinyl for it. Um, is that the? I don't know which one that is. That was the last one that they did. Oh, okay. I think I've got their first one on cassette. Okay. That Seasons of the Field split that we were talking about earlier with Pensive, that has a Transformers quote in, in that song and drawback. The When Megatron's talking to Optimus Prime, he's like, why throw away your life so recklessly? And then Optimus Prime says, that's a question you should ask yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> It's like that we used to do that. Like, I don't know if we still do, but do you ever hear like a new band or a partner? You're like, yes, like they did it. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, just, yeah, that that's, um, I'll transition that into, um, the violent sleep of reason. Oh, you're good. There was a couple parts there. I was like, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, uh, oh gosh. Monstrosity. That's, that's my favorite track on that album. Let's color. Uh, yeah. 
this right this record really like kind of like i wasn't expecting well i'm not gonna lie this many albums in i wasn't expecting the band to still be good <laughs> i mean i hate to be that guy but like that's generally par for the core we do so many discographies so like it's one of those like yeah. i'm getting to the point now where i'm starting to see the trends <laughs> but Mashuga sure. doesn't give a shit about my trends, you know. So it's like, uh, you know, whatever. No, I, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I was really surprised, and I have the least experience with this record. Um, I didn't even know that there was a new-ish Mashuga record out um, until you so. told me, Danny. Actually, you're like, yeah, you do Mashuga. Their new one's really good. And I was like, new one? And it wasn't like new, <laughs> but it was, you know, and I was like, oh, shit. So I had to listen to that on the way home <laughs> that night. And I was like, man, I just, I don't know how this many years later they're still doing it, like on this level. Right. And that's the big thing is, you know, I, I think it really. I think it really comes down to the output level of Frederick Thorndahl. Yeah. Yeah, because I know that he's a he's the primary riff writer for Mashuga. Like he does he does a lot of it. If if you see any other interviews with them about this album, they said that this marks the first time in a while that they recorded the record live as a band. Because before they were just recording parts where I don't know the exact order, but I mean, if they were playing everything to a click, then what uh, Tomas uh, would do is then he'd play drums over it. So he was playing to a a pre-recorded track, if you will, and then that would end up being their album. But this one they did, they did live. That explains some of the computer-esque feeling of the previous records, and it's definitely not a bad thing, but it does in ways sound robotic. Right, it you know in a way some of the stuff like even like Catch Thirty Three sounds a little stale in that regard because of that to me, but this one it like the Violent Sleep of Reason brings like energy it brings life you know in a way back into it where um it's it's almost like something that they had like I don't want to say that they lacked it for a while but in a way they kind of did and I know that they've mentioned that in 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 some of their like YouTube interviews and whatnot but. Um, yeah, this one is really uh, energetic. And that's got to be hard after a period of time because I know listening to a discography to prep up for this show, Yeah, you feel bad when you get to record five and <laughs> you're taking notes like I do and you get to episode, I'm sorry, <laughs> and you get to album seven and you, you're trying so hard not to just type it still sounds like Meshuggah. Right. Because it sounds bad to say it, but it's not. There are so right. many bands that get to that point where, yep, I had enough four records ago, guys. You're still going. And Songs from the Sparkle Lounge just came out, and Def Leppard is still writing Def Leppard songs. All right, guys, you're good. ACDC, you're good. It still sounds like that. Napalm Death. Napalm Death. <laughs> Good God. Wait till you hear that episode. It's going to be like four minutes long. We're going to be all like, Napalm Death plays extremely fast and yells all their vocals really loud, and they play at really, really fast speeds, and that's it. We got to do that episode like Jeopardy, where we're like, all right, so I'll take 
Yeah, what is... All right, we're next album. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's part of the... Like, uh, I'm going to take it here, too. Um, that's part of the genius of Meshuga is that every record is defined. You know, it's not... Um, like, I can't say that any one record sounds like the other record. Um, I, can, I can definitely uh, mark... I'll say three... I think that there were three eras of Meshuga. I think that there was the initial era without Martin Hagstrom, the guitar player, where Jens was playing guitar. Then there's got shot up to Peter Norton because he's yeah, he's my base hero. Like the tones that he got on on. Well, I mean, even though he was on uh, Contradictions Collapse, uh, like none and Destroy Race Improved, just disgusting. And then I'm going to call it like the Dick Lovegren era where um, he kind of entered in the band when the eight string guitars came out. And it's been in that era ever since. Whereas like Dillinger as totally chaotic as they were they started like almost recycling does does that yeah i love that like i love ben i like i i know ben um not well i mean he knows me he's like he's another one where if he sees me he'll be like hey you know and he'll call me by sure. my name hey guy hey guy. yeah hey, not not just hey guy but like he knows me by name and he gave me a nickname that we're you know we could talk about another time <laughs> maybe it's a good one but um like they started recycling and it, I think it was just like their natural progression where like they were like, okay, well, we've been as chaotic as we're, as we're going to be. We're touring our whole life. Like, it's, it's time to hang it up. Like, that's kind of my interpretation. Maybe wrong, but that's my interpretation of it. Whereas Meshuggah's like, hey, this next record, it's not going to sound anything like the last record. Right. And and it just keeps on happening. So I'm like, I'm, then I'm really excited. I heard that they're writing for another one. Yeah. I heard that they are. I don't, of course like, they are. I mean... It's um, Meshuggah. They're going to yeah. keep writing until they can't. <laughs> Frederick Thornendahl is still doing Soul Niger Within. Like he's right. he missed the last one of the last tours, the summer tour with Megadeth, to finish Soul Niger Within to his, his next one, which is twenty years later. Right, and that's going to be incredible. So yeah, it's like you said. I mean, you can when you go from album to album, you can tell it's Meshuggah, but you can also tell that they haven't run out of material, and that's yeah. That's truthfully, that's really unusual. When you look at the uh, the lifespan that they've had, I mean, because technically, what they started in the late '80s, uh, the first album came out, in, I think '91. Uh, but they yeah. started they started in the late '80s, and, and yep. here we are, almost 2020, and they're still putting shit out, and it it sounds the same, but it's not the same kind of thing. It sounds like Meshuggah, but it's not the it not it sounds like Meshuggah, but it's not the same stuff. Uh, it's hard to explain. Yeah. But I'm not the I same, say but you're not the same, and yeah. we just want to survive. They're still just as get relevant up, up. 20 years later right? You know, as they were at the beginning, and that's that's what makes them seminal. Really, you know? 30 years later now. Right. Yeah. Um, it's still relevant today. It's scary to that's think that. That's incredible. I know. They've been, they've been doing this for... I mean, what some of them were teenagers when the whenever they started because I know they're I, not they're, they're late, late forties like seven, eighty seven when Jens started yeah. everything. Yeah, Jens is in his early fifties, if I'm not mistaken. It sounds like a silly statistic, but they outlasted a trend that they are accused of creating. And he doesn't look like he's in his early fifties. He, no. he doesn't look like he's in his late forties. I know he looks <laughs> fantastic. He's in his early forties, if anything. It's the Swedish blood, I'm telling you. It's yeah, because it's he started shaving his blood. hair. Yeah, he, sha- he shaves his head. Is that didn't what it is? A, so I mean, to start shaving my head for a little while. He did. Like, I I don't know if he was, but like he had like the Krishna haircut. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 
Um, I think most of our listeners, if they're young enough, will have no idea what the hell we just said. <laughs> Kids, look it up. If yeah, he's so that's be the next hipster wait thing. A second, be wait a second. Wait a second. If he's Krishna, then who's George Harrison? <laughs> who's, who's George Harrison? <laughs> One thing's for sure: you're never gonna see Mashuga handing out flowers. At an airport. You say that now, but they're writing a new record. Oh, boy. Yeah, what? Yeah, if they hand out flowers, they're going to be talking about death blooms and quoting Mudvayne. Like, they hand you an odd amount of flowers. Like, they're only going to give three flowers or seven flowers or 15 flowers. That's got to be the title of their next tour. (laughs) Meshuga hands out flowers. World tour. A Meshuggah Dozen. <laughs> a Meshuggah Dozen is 15. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, I think that's the title that's the of the best episode. Quote, oh that's the gosh. best quote that's I've it. heard on the show. Hands down. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yep. Oh, what a band. Man. What a band. I mean, what a, like, just overall and, and meddled them. Um, one of the all time greats. Yes, agreed. Is that your final thought? That's going to be my my final thought for Michigan. I really didn't put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> not <laughs> not not like their music. It's the antithesis of their music. I have put no thought into this. They are they are uh, uh, the metal band of art. They are the metal band. <laughs> they are it. the metal band. Definitely an N word. You wrote all that. <laughs> you wrote all that down, right, Jeff? Yeah. Murata. Definitely an N word. So did you say the words? I said the words. You say all the words. Listen. Basically. I didn't say every tiny little syllable. I got it. I got it. Send me back, like in the deal. The heroes was said to have come from the sky. He said to have destroyed the evil. Well, he didn't do a very good job. <laughs> uh, that, now that, now that is a movie. Evil yes, Dead Two, <laughs> no, Army of Darkness. Well, both of them. Yeah. yeah, both, both. I was just talking. I was talking to somebody else about that today. This guy I work with about the first time I saw Evil Dead Two is my buddy worked at a video shop. Yeah, kids, there was these things called video shops in the eighties <laughs> and nineties. And my Don't buddy go behind used to the little curtain. all these movies. Yo, he had to a couple times. Like, so he <laughs> like he was um, like I'm, I'm like I graduated class in '98, and he told me about some of our classmates who, after they graduated, used to ask for those movies behind the curtain. Were any of them and named wow. Jeff? <laughs> no, and actually, they were female. Mind. Blown. Yes. Oh boy. Have fun clicking on those thumbnails. Anyway, <laughs> so I was on, I was online reading Bible studies. Yeah, well, I was my I was using that's probably every accurate. bit of my twenty two point five k that I was getting because I couldn't. So, get, what are you doing tonight? I'll be downloaded porn at uh, fifteen kilobits a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I got a cable modem back here. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, please. And, you know, that's not an oppany thing. See, there's not an up anything. Audible. Oh, Omaha. You did. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You freaking did. You can say what you're going to say after the podcast. We'll we'll <laughs> we'll stop the tape. 
tape, yeah. right? We're using this. We're recording this on analog, reel to reel. But uh, <laughs> I keep then, saying this. We make stop. We make promises. You can't keep. We make cuts with actual scissors and tape, and this thing's literally just scotch taped together. <clears throat> no, no, no. You guys, you guys understand? You record things real to real mm. that are real. Wow. <laughs> hey, Jeff, so guys, hey, Jeff, can you uh, read this? How about now? Omaha. Oh yeah. So guys, <laughs> I don't want to get shot. So guys, Bench, you just got shot. Oh, you're dead. Uh, so, final thoughts on uh, on Meshuga. I like Meshuga a lot. They're a good band. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, see, that, that's, that's just a, as much thought as I that's had. That's terrible. <laughs> that's no thought. If you're listening to this episode and you've never listened to Meshuga, go listen to it in this order. <laughs> uh, destroy, erase, improve. Obzen. Obzen. Chaosphere. None. None. Violent Sleep of Reason, and then you can throw all the rest of them in after that in any order you wish. It doesn't matter to me. Because you're already a super fan at that point. <laughs> you yeah, be- you better be. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that those those albums will frame your appreciation for the others that may not be uh, that may not draw you in if they stood alone on their on their own. But as a whole, I think that uh, if you look at it all kind of bookcased by these like the beginning of it and the end of it kind of bookcase everything in the be- in the between uh, and give you a really good lens to look at the rest of it through uh, I think that that's a, a good way to approach it cool Dan awesome. what about you look at Meshuga now look at me um, so <laughs> Uh, my final thoughts are Meshuga is a seminal band I say this a lot and I say it about my favorite technical bands you can't drop a pin between those riffs they fill up space unlike any other band that I have ever heard it is a complex machine it is something that will uh, basically it's almost like a, a perpetual motion machine in that they're not really slowing down their songs are self-sufficient and yeah there are times where it may sound bland it may sound like robots are playing but that's kind of like their whole thing one thing that we didn't talk about at all during this episode was the vocals and i think that they that they really deserve a special mention because yes it's not like you know it's not your death metal growl it's not a black metal shriek it's not a hardcore it's just it's the vocals on for Mishuga are very unique in the sense that they are harsh to where they actually match the music. They are audible. One of the few bands you can actually listen to and Yeah, they're intelligible. Kind of sing. Yeah. yeah, you can hear it. And but it's not like a lack of extremity there, you know. Um right. it, it really is it's 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 just they're just as well thought out and complex as the music. And um and that's that's really hard to achieve. And I think that they, I think that they nailed it. So, final thought on Mashuga is just that you know, if you are into complexity and you're technically, you're mechanically minded, Mashuga is definitely the band for you. Jeff, very cool. I think Dan kind of touched on just about everything that I wanted to say. I'm kind of bummed that I didn't need to go first now. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, I mean, what's that co-host? No, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm I know. Co-host. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say anything. What am I saying? No, I didn't say anything at all. No. Destroy, race, and proof. Uh, 
probably, in my opinion, one of the most important metal albums uh, in the history of metal. I, oh, I, yeah. I think it's... Uh, you wouldn't have the technical, progressive, or experimental stuff that you do now without that album. I think, or, and of course, you know, that whole Genty uh, scene that, you know, that happened for, you know, that's, well, I guess it's still going on, but, you know, I just like how they were able to expand people's horizons and open their minds and make them look at metal from a different perspective. It was not this. That album is not about meathead. You're a bitch. I'm gonna kick your ass. I mean, this was about. This was an intelligent individual's metal. That's kind of how I looked at it. It made right. you think, you know, hey, you know what? I can be a nerd and I can still like metal. I mean, because there's Meshuga. I mean, because that's really what it was for me. Like, I was a total closet, you know, metal fan back in the 90s because I used to get so much shit about it so I just hid it from everybody mm. when I went out to, when, I, uh, when I went away to college and uh, discovered Meshuggah I, I felt like I was liberated I was like you know what I can listen to this and be proud to be a metalhead it's not awesome. it's not all just thrash and in your face with shitty lyrics uh, and <laughs> I'm not saying that all the bands before that were were that way but <laughs> There's an awful lot no, of but it. No, by comparison, it's yeah. kind of that. That's what we're looking. I think that's what we're we're not really saying any of this is bad. It's just that in our opinion, by comparison, they're they're so they're superior. They Meshuggah is a is a superior band. Yes, it's, and still are. And that's the amazing thing yeah. is that at, you yep. know here we are, you know, twenty five, thirty years later, and everybody's still trying to play catch up. That's really right. uh -huh. that, yeah, totally. That's really what it is. I mean, they are the trendsetter. That's you know, that's who everybody that I like, who they look to, you know, as far as inspiration. You know, I mean, you can just you know down the list. You can I guarantee you that somewhere they're saying yes. You know, Mashuga is a band that influences us, and if they're not, they're lying. I mean, because they're they're that important. <laughs> that's that's just kind of how I look at it. So yeah, I love these guys. I love everything that they brought to metal. I, I think they are um, so uh, outside of the you know I do like melodic death metal, but the technical side of things that I love, like one of my favorite bands of all time is Cybreed. There would be no Cybreed uh, mm. without Mashuga, just because of how tech, how technical it is and uh, the weird ass time signatures that they made. You know, the norm essentially. I, I love it. I and I I listen to it all the time. And I'm so glad that you guys got Dan to do this episode because it was going to be another year before I was going to get him to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! I had, I had to get through my backlog of extensive Christian metal bands and albums. <laughs> yeah, see, we have to listen to everything that Dan knows first. Well, we can get right back into that with Extol sometime soon. Oh, yes. yeah, sure. That's not a problem. <laughs> you guys had, like, really good final thoughts. And like my final, our final thought was just like, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, like, really mind good. Blown, really good. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've done this fifty-two times up to this point, so I'm about to go back and listen to like our Metallica final thoughts, like from episode one. Like that was not like it is now. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't everything from Black Album on is dead to me, then the final thought was wrong. Like okay, well. Oh yes. 
<laughs> you it's know what? a Josh I like. Woo! You know what? Go on, uh, <laughs> go on, uh, go on, and comment on that. Then uh, I am gonna go have. I'm gonna have to start working my way back through your backlog. <laughs> listen to it backwards. That's always fun. Yeah. Um, for most that bands sounds... that I check out, that's what I do. I listen to. I start off with like the newest album and go back. I do that for the discography discussions too to mix it up, you know, like yeah. when I'm prepping up. But uh, Joe, did we get your final thoughts, buddy? You're about to. All right, we ain't oh got a choice. Hey. Out of all the bands I've played in and all the musicians that I've spent many, many hours and minutes around, the ones that come to mind the most are the ones that spent a lot of time not writing new songs. Because I've always been able to identify the serious musicians when you say, this is a really good idea, we should click on a metronome just to kind of get it locked in. And they don't say no, because the ones that don't want to put forth the effort don't think that it's important to lock in the groove. I've always been a proponent and an advocate of the groove comes first. And anytime anybody says, you don't have to play to a metronome to be a good band or to be influential or to have a groove the drummer's not supposed to be locked in on some specific tempo and i always say do you think you're better than mashuga <laughs> because you couldn't count to 11 right now if you had to for the next five hours <laughs> right so mashuga is the band that i want people to listen to that want to be better musicians and especially if you're metal and you want to be a little bit different just a little bit learn how to lock it in because you don't have to change it all the time or do something ridiculously over the top for people to notice because this band has put out nine records 15 15 including yeah, EPs, EPs. Uh, absolutely take, take out the live records and I think or then you get like 13 and they've locked it in for an hour at a time gotta count now continue <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you want a definition of a lock it in listen to Meshuggah yeah man we'll call it 10 because there's a couple like EPs in here like that I wouldn't necessarily call a, a significant EPs like rare tracks um the tree human design was really good though um same thing with self cage but yeah like 10 10 albums 10 albums in 30 years so if you guys have time dan's pulling a jeff he's changing the rules on us <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah i'm notorious for doing that which dan are you talking about danny or dan i don't know anymore danny is, is pulling i don't know which one's the evil one who am I? That's definitely me. <laughs> uh, You're good, Ash, and I'm badass. You're, You're a goody, goody little two shoes. Goody, goody little, little two shoes. Goody little two shoes. I'm not that good. Good. Uh, bad. I'm, I'm the, the one with a gun. gun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hey, what's that on your face? <laughs> yes. 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 See, it's one of those moments where you do, do the quote, and I'm like, yes. You know, it's good. Okay. If you guys have time, I know we've had you on the phone for a long time. Um, Reading this passage will cause the entity to take a physical form. Um, <laughs> Why the hell would we want to do that? <laughs> we got to do uh, bands of the week. Well, yeah, we do. But if they have time, I would like to talk about not beneath a little bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I have been for the past how many episodes? 
for the last five. Of You've made it your album of the week, I think, twice at this point. Yeah. So um, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, I I, I I I do like. I'm one of those people that I don't I don't like hand out compliments. I don't hand out praise unless I it, unless I really love love something. It's not one of those like. Or your name's Travis Turner. Well, I'm just <laughs> one of those like. I'm just no. I I liked Travis before I knew Travis. I, I liked his drumming. But anyway, um, so. I have a weird story about Not Beneath in that where I work, I work for a dialysis company and we make a lot of water. That's our thing. We purify people's blood, essentially, yeah. um, to, to put it in very simplistic terms. Sounds and fun. I um, had a humongous water spill. Uh, so it's blood water? No, it's not blood water. I, I was by myself. So like okay. I, every every month I have to purify the water system at the dialysis clinic it takes about 10 hours yeah wow and i do i do it at three different clinics so i'm at this clinic it's like freezing cold outside and i get this huge water spill and it's like i to the point where i'm almost going to call roto-rooter and ask them to come out and do it but instead i'm standing there with a shop vac sucking it up until the shop vac fills up pouring it in a sink and at the time, I'm listening to the newest episode of As the Story Grows, which features this band I haven't heard of called Not Beneath. But I know that one of the dudes is in Narciss- was in Narcissist, and the other dude was in a band that I used to like called Outcry. Um, I don't like him anymore. No, <laughs> no, but uh, so it just just kind of blast from the past. Like you know, uh, Becoming Leviathan was one of my favorite records, and. Um, I liked the outcry. Hope for the torn heart CD. Um, That's yeah. I, I, all. That's all stuff from my past. They're just names that like I hadn't heard in a while, you know. Yeah. And so I, I was very intrigued. And so I listened. I listened to your guys' interview with Travis. And like I'm only halfway listening to it because I'm like sucking up all this water, you know. Right. And then um, I'm like, okay, that sounds very good. But then he starts playing clips of the music, and he played a clip from um, the Wisdom of Joseph. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, all right, it's hardcore. I like it. It's cool. It's heavy. It's, you know, it's in your face. I like the vocals. They sound like, you know, different. Like they sound like something that they sound like something from a bygone era, which I mean, not any offense to that, but like, like the kind of stuff I was hearing from the kind of stuff I was hearing in like the early 2000s, late 90s. And, um, and those are the kind of hardcore vocals that I love. Um, because I feel like now it's like you either sound like you're either doing like the deathcore thing. Or you're doing like, um, you know, so this like half shout, yell kind of like emo thing, and so I was really, really into that. And then whenever I heard the vocoder come in on the chorus, or I guess it's a chorus, it's not really a chorus, but um, I heard the vocoder and I was like, yeah, yeah, totally like, oh my god, what, what was that? And so like I went because you, you could rewind 15 seconds on a podcast, so like I kept rewinding it and playing it over and over and over again. And I'm having a terrible night. And like I got the things, I got the thing, I got the leak cleaned up. And then I walk out to my car. Car doesn't start. And I'm like, oh, oh my god. So then I, so I called AAA to have them come out and, and jump the car essentially. And I, for that 40, 45 minutes that they were there, or that I was waiting for them to come. I listened to the episode again, you know, like, but like <laughs> nice. actually paying wow. attention to it, not like, yeah, you know, and so I got right. all the details. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I'm really, really, really into this. And that's whenever I started commenting on Facebook and started, you know, I was like, cause I needed something, I needed something positive, you know, I needed something, sure, you man. know, 
some kind of good news and like that that those clips really hit me and unfortunately i think i ended up working like close to 70 hours or something that week maybe more i don't remember it was such a long week and all i had were those clips because i knew the record was going to come out on january 16th which was the day after my birthday and i actually took a vacation which was horrible timing considering what happened a few days later but um we uh and so i was like man this is this is really good. And I listened to those clips. I listened to that episode like a bunch of times that week while I was working. And I just got so into it that whenever the record did finally drop and I did get to hear it, I downloaded it. I, I bought it on Bandcamp and downloaded it at midnight, you know, whenever it came out or whenever it posted. Yeah. And I listened to it on my sound system and everything. And I just, you know, I was like really, really, really enraptured with it. And the thing that I, the thing that I loved the most about it, besides just the vocoder, because that's like the, the vocoder is kind of the um, icing on the cake or the thing that, that that pulls you in, you know, first. Like, that's the first thing you notice, and then you're like, oh, I don't hear it. But then whenever I got, like, really into the songs, I was really blown away by, like, just really long, complicated. So, like, I think track, the second song is, like, six, like, over six minutes long. Yeah. yeah. And just um, really, really in your face aggressive but like with a lot of melody in there but like not contrived melody not like okay guys we're gonna break into this melodic chorus and it's gonna sound like synth pop for the next you know 48 seconds and then we're gonna kick back into a you know into like a beat down or anything like that and i don't know it's it's hard to describe and i will eventually end up posting a full written review for the cd on our blog which will be a lot more well thought out uh than what i'm giving you tonight but <laughs> no that's thanks man thank you yeah. um yeah, we really appreciate it yeah i mean you guys worked hard on it and and you can yeah. tell you know boy did we ever work hard on that <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah i mean you know you can you can feel the passion in a lot of recordings and it, it definitely sounds like it definitely sounds like you took your time on it and um like i said i don't really hand out praise like this too much but um I think in this case it was well deserved. I remember, I remember rushing down to the studio. We were doing another episode, and like I was like, we're, "Joe's trying to like do his job, right? He's trying to set the microphones up or whatever." And I'm like, "No, dude, not, but not beneath posted a, a lyric video for this song." And uh, I, and I was, I was like, "You need to listen to that." And Joe's like, "Okay, but we got this episode to do." I was like, "No, no, no, no put the song on. Put the, just <laughs> listen to the song, you know." And uh, and I think that was the first time Jeff had heard it. Um, no, I, I heard. Uh, the clips from uh, yeah. as the story grows. Yeah, nice. That I mean, like you know, you, when you're talking about it, it's making me think of when you said it's not contrived. What? Well, we're really. I mean, you know, we're '90s kids. Like we, right? Um, you know, like at least in terms of our, our musical. Um, what was maybe I don't know what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like when we really got into music, when we started our you know, local bands, our, our formative music years. Yeah were definitely that that late 90s like uh really all of it like from like 90 almost all of the 90s had such a big impact on us musically it was a really magical time in 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 the scene in the metal scene in the hardcore scene like there was something something magical was happening in the 90s and we got to like experience the tail end of that and 
Right. You know, so we put a, we try to put a lot of that. So you're saying it. I'm like, awesome. Mission accomplished. But the yeah, other thing too is, um, yeah, yeah. You, first, you when, first. When we first started out and started talking about like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. What is it gonna sound like? And we're just like, well, I think that we should just like try and funnel that idea of the '90s and just make it sound like the '90s. And it, it changed a lot from from that starting idea. But like, you know. I looking back on looking back on that time and spent with spent with a group of a group of people you know around bands like uh, Strongarm and Zayo and um, like the first iteration of Zayo with with you know uh, Sean and Roy and Mick um, Jesse Jesse sure um, where it was man it was just really. Sp- really special time spent with dudes uh that looking back you know i it was much more than uh just a musical experience it was uh it was the beginning of my understanding of like community between people um and having a place where you could be honest with uh with 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 dudes that I don't know. Yeah. It, it was just really special. And we wanted to try and come at it from that that perspective of just trying to be as honest as we could be about where we are now. And uh, musically, we just I, I, th- I think we wanted to approach it from the perspective of like, well, we're not going to put out a 90s hardcore record. Yeah. Yeah, and our influences have kind of not changed, but like have grown over the years. So it's it's kind of just like a, you know many other bands do. Like we we wanted to do our take of uh, not just of our, of our influences, but just kind of some of the music just kind of came forth. Like we were writing, where you know you're jamming, just so like some of the old bands used to do, if you will. You're jamming, and you're like, wow, like let's let's make this a part. Like it's almost all of my favorite parts on that album are parts Josh wrote and I tried writing music just on my own and it seemed to just never work and we did, when we decided that this was like actually going to be a thing it was awesome to bounce ideas off of another person and then vice versa and then we started we started I mean we just built on that so you know like if kind of t- even tying this back to Meshuggah like if you think about they started in 87 and they released their first full length four years later and we probably could have done that too but i mean we'd get together he lives josh lives like 50 minutes away from me and um like we only had monday nights because we have families and and jobs um full-time jobs and it's it's really it's we we committed to each other though and uh said that hey like we are going to get this done and we kept on saying like this is it this is the year we're gonna do it and finally we're like (laughs) like it has to come out like we're done with it now we just like it's it's go time we have to do it there's a um you know urm unstoppable recording machine joey sturgis well he did that daniel bergstrand um meshuga episode and daniel's like you gotta just commit like 
back in the day we used to just commit things to tape and then that was it like it's done like we put yeah. a compressor on the bass and like we would tweak it out and say yeah like it feels good it sounds good let's just go with it instead of like what we were doing is every monday we'd get together and we'd tweak a song to death and we were just like it wasn't wasn't happening so finally we're just like okay well we're gonna get it done like yeah, we're, we just, we're gonna it, commit to we it we stripped it all down yeah like we took everything off of every channel and started completely started over from, started from and scratch. remixed that entire record just it took us a couple months oh uh, yeah a good couple months to yeah, do yeah maybe maybe even three but you know like we just weren't making any progress before so we had right. kind of we had kind of stalled out but we had we had made this decision that we were gonna see it through to its completion and we did and i think i think that we're we're really happy and i think that you can tell that it took us a long time because it took us forever but uh yeah i mean like the wisdom of joseph is actually like the last song we actually wrote um because it was a song that we weren't happy with and so we went back and tore it all apart and wrote like mostly a new song yeah i mean we kept a couple of the old parts and then uh and then we finally felt like we got to the point where, where it was right we, i mean i recorded the bass a few times all the way through because we're not really jamming together we don't like we didn't we didn't have all of the tools necessary i mean like we jammed but um in in the fact that like we would write a part and then jam it and like wow that, that, that really works but we didn't have that luxury because we don't have a full band so um yeah it's we're, we're really proud of it um we're hoping other people enjoy it just as much as as we do you know just just like everything else we're, we're hoping that we're hoping that it just speaks to somebody um that it improves at just at least one person's life um so it's it's always funny how like hardcore and and metal some metal has that component where it's not just the music well we think that the music stand can stand on its own but the lyrics are kind of to me that's the icing on the cake like if you can write lyrics that really you put your heart into and that are not contrived um christian records can be really contrived let's let's face it they, oh, they, yeah. they can't oh, yeah. be and that was my what probably my biggest concern with lyric writing with this is that it doesn't sound yeah. like a contrived lyrical record um right. i mean even like when you just read the lyrics it, i don't want there's some things that might sound that way, but if anybody ever wanted explanation, I'll be like, "Look, I'll tell you about that time in my life, and that's why I wrote that." Right. Or you know, same thing with Josh. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's I think it it that that shows. I mean, I'm I'm a big lyric guy, and I. It's one of those things where I feel like the lyrics were written in such a way that even if you don't necessarily agree with everything in them, because to me, a contrived record makes bold statements. It's not that it's not okay to make bold statements. It's totally, especially considering your influences and your roots, you know. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But lyrics that y you can really tell the difference whether you agree with them or disagree with them on whatever key point you want to bring up. You feel like the person that wrote them is being honest with you about whatever their struggle was. Or, or, or you know, like like see see you could see that come through just in the way it the lyrics are written and the way they're delivered and um you know it definitely um it definitely helped me out a lot i've not had a great 2018 and 
not beneath has been yeah. part of that for me. Not that not contributing to the not being great Making part. It but terrible. The, oh, yeah. yeah, my God. Yeah, we just came. Yeah, we just had you guys on just to trash it. But no, like Thanks. it was. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, right. No problem. Uh, no, but it really, it really was that thing that I got to look forward to during That's a pretty awesome. dark time. I mean, even though like, you know, my son wasn't in the hospital until after the record came out, but. Um, do that week leading up to my birthday like my my vacation that i was like coveting like it was going to be this great vacation i was going to have i wasn't going to be worth and then, of course that's always like the hardest week that you have is where you're you know running back and forth and so i had this i had a lot of time to really sink my teeth into the record and 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 kind of get to the meat of it and yeah, um awesome and I guess what I'm trying to say is, good job, guys. <laughs> like it's, hey, thanks, you know, man. yeah. Uh, While well, you guys have been uh, talking, I've just been jamming out because Joe's been been playing uh, Momentum Moria. Uh, yeah, we didn't in the background. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, we so we always play music when we're when we're talking. We like the oh, whole nice. time we were talking about Mashuga, we were listening to Mashuga, and uh, and right now we're listening to Not Beneath. Um, we're wondering, are, are you guys okay with that? Like with us having your music playing in the background, yeah. like on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, it's no, no, no problem. Yeah, we okay. talk, we talk over it most of the time, so it's not like we're giving people like a free record or anything. But it's, uh, you know, um, I think actually, I think you guys can, you can stream pretty much most of the record on. Bandcamp, yeah, I mean, can't all you? of it, yeah. to it yeah. on. We don't care if you don't pay for it. We just want people to like it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So Spotify, Bandcamp, you I can think- stream it both <laughs> in both of those places. I yeah. think I said, yeah, you can listen to it on Not Beneath. I think I said that. Oh, nice. No, that's great. Listen to it's- Not Beneath on Not Beneath. Yeah, because yeah. it's 11.40 for us right now. And- oh, yeah. I'm so oh, sorry, guys. Uh, I no, no, no. It's, it's I, I, I probably should bail pretty fast because I got to be up in like... I got a five 45, 50-minute hour or 50-minute drive back home, and I then I got to be back up at 5.30. Yeah, so. I totally okay. feel you. Well, we will continue this on the Extol episode. Nice. I'll, All right, yes. I'll try to, conti- I'll try hey. to, uh, yeah, I'll try to uh, coordinate that with you guys the best I can. Well, thank, thanks again for for uh, you know for having us on with all this and allowing us to do the discography for for my favorite band ever. <laughs> for sure, we're for glad sure. that you guys came on. It's been fun. Yeah, it really, really, yeah, it has been. It's been cool. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'll see you guys. All right, homies. We'll do this again. All right, see you Good. All Later. Right, see ya. Bye. And on that note, this has been episode 52 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things Discography Discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Thank you, Danny and Josh, for hanging out with us talking about Mashuga. You guys can find Not Beneath online on Facebook, and you can buy their album everywhere. You can stream albums. Yeah. There will always be Kurt Warner. Yeah. Yeah. Never forget. Yep. <laughs> Kurt Warner. <laughs> you know what's funny Dude, is Dude, I've that seen Kurt Warner and talked to him so many times. 
since then because like we we're I used to do the, I used to do this, these youth group events like organize these youth group events and it was always so cool to have Kurt Warner come and talk at these events and it was always just so like he would give this like amazing testimony to these kids and then he'd be like anybody have any questions and it's like everybody just skipped right over everything that he talked about and was like okay so when you won the Super Bowl did you yeah. it's so funny <laughs> yeah this is like years after uh, but uh gosh who was the running back I can't remember the running back who Marshall I can see his face but I can't remember his name no no that was in her, yeah sorry I'm not good at football uh, St. Louis the running back for St. Louis Dan's not know. a sports ball fan I'm not a sports ball fan yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, I watch baseball which which well, running good. back from when now? No, from oh. when their Super Bowl run with with Kurt Warner. Oh, that's Marshall Falk. That's what uh, Marshall Falk. Yeah. That's right. That's thank yeah. you. Dan, Dan actually got one right. Oh, okay, Woo-hoo. cool. Let's add that to my <laughs> Dan board. Dan can go to trivia night now. <laughs> add that to my board. Yeah, tri- hey, super trivia. You know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Super trivia, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, that's oh, that's going no. way back. No, McLean the Brain, <laughs> McLean. Okay. Wayne the Brain. Thank you. Yes. I'm, I'm going to be Carl and sit in the corner and eat a bunch of wings. Dude. You, you will have, stay that, and hang out with Wayne. Wayne has yeah. bar dollars. <laughs> hey, you. Yeah, you think bad. I'll uh, have a pinch of beer, the nachos grande, <laughs> and uh, 50 chicken wings extra hot. Keep the ranch coming. I yeah. said 50 more wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Carl's not able to get full. <laughs> yeah. well, he's a oh, man. He used to love that show. I still do. I loved when they just kept it going. Like we're going to stop making Aqua Teen, and it was just no, no. We're just going to change the name. I remember going yeah, over. We're going to keep making the show. <laughs> I remember going over to Buddy's house to write music, and all he wanted to do was watch Aqua Teen Hunger Force. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, Christian music is like, if you were to take out the good <sighs> Christian metal bands like Living Sacrifice, Extol, Strong Arm, like, well kind of Zayo. Classic mortification. You can say Zayo. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, you, you, it's you know allowed. I mean. uh, if you were to take out all these good Christian metal bands, Christian music might still edge out Christian movies because there are no good Christian movies. <laughs> not real. I mean, did you see God's Not Dead? I kind of refuse to see God's the Not moral, Dead. Okay, well, let me give you, let me give you a little synopsis. A discography Great. discussion exclusive. <laughs> <coughs> Kevin Sorbo is a pissed off uh, college yes. professor. A Hercules. Co- a young. Hercules? Uh, yes, a young. Yes, Hercules. <laughs> Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, it gets better. Does he have the sleeveless tee on? No, <laughs> no. I was kind of like, dude, if he flexes too hard, that shirt's gonna just rip to shreds. But so Kevin Sorbo is a pissed off teacher. And a young white male, which represents all Christians, as we know, uh, is attending college there. A very expensive college. Um, I'm not going to get into privilege and, you know, him being able to attend college and all that. However, what I am going to get into is that this kid is a Christian, you know, like through and through, man. And he's going to go up against this college professor because the college professor, Kevin Sorbo, wants everybody to write on a piece of paper god is dead because you know that's that's totally what happens in college right well it has happened i have had teachers yeah i have i have had teachers or professors that have been anti-christian 
uh, or, yeah. or trying sure. to push that, and that's that's fine. But a lot of those people, at least in my experience, I've been able to have a conversation with and just be like, you know, this is what I believe, man. I hope it doesn't get me an F. I just wanted to let you know. You know, like that sort of thing. But So you're saying yeah. you didn't go to UC Berkeley. I did not go to UC Berkeley. <laughs> I, let me go get some money off the money tree. But yeah. <laughs> You're going to tell me that Hercules was taken out by a car?